Hey everybody, Clint Fosslew here, your host of the Brocode.life podcast series and welcome to episode 15 entitled One Year No Beer with one of the co-founders, Rory Fairburn. Now, for us as those are the common listeners, you know, in terms of health, wellness, nutrition and yoga, we've gone into that all before and having a clear mindset when you're specifically trying to recover for life or going through any sort of really shitty patch in your mind is, is super, super key and I think we all know the answer that alcohol is not good for us but but for whatever reason it is, we you know we tend to use it as a band-aid and drink away the problems and pains. And I know for those who are suffering or are busy dealing with infidelity, it's certainly a good way to make the uh, the flashbacks go away, but it doesn't really benefit you in the long time. So on this podcast, uh, we talk all about Ruri's uh, personal journey from uh, starting multiple businesses from when he was younger to being on The Apprentice um, and ending up at a very young age, sort of middle 20s, being one of the top oil breakers in London living a very, very large and, and having a very flash lifestyle and having a hugely entertainment lifestyle, which was, you know, fueled around alcohol. He, he then sort of, you know, decided to go alcohol-free and had the fear of losing everything and losing, you know, his, his career and everything to meeting the Dalai Lama, which all, all already took him to create this company. I'm not really going to go too deep into it, but it's a really great insight to how someone's mindset shifted to do something for the greater good and how it's all worked out awesomely well. The guys from One Year No Beer have three programs, a 28, a 90, and a 365-day program. And it's not about giving up alcohol for, for, you know, for life. It's all about changing your relationship with alcohol. A key for them, thing for them, which is also, you know, we promote here at Broco.life is a community and, you know, just we, we pick it up in the podcast how key it is if you're struggling to give up alcohol and you're getting peer pressure from from within that, I think it's in over 70 countries, there's the One Year No Beer community and people there to help you get through that process. The guys have been very, very kind to offer a 50% discount code to all their pro code programs. So the coupon or the, the voucher is Brocode50. Uh, five zero. I'll have it up in the show notes. And to get to that, um, the link for the special discount to all their programs, go to brocode.life forward slash O-Y-N-B. So that's October, Yankee, November, Bravo. Hopefully I've got that right. For those who, who want to keep, you know, enjoy the content, want to work with us and want to sort of get our lives back together. At the moment, we've got the Recovering from Ground Zero course and soon the Essential Eight course coming out and heaps of other stuff planned for the future. So if you want to work closer with us, um, get go to broco.life forward slash help me. Thanks once again for Ruri for you know taking his time. He was in London traveling to be on the podcast. This was hugely beneficial. If you're thinking about you know giving up booze for a while, this is a great platform and a great um, great bit of content for you to sort of push you over the edge. Strap in, enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. Everybody and welcome to the 15th edition of the Brocoder.life podcast series. Today we are joined all the way from London uh, by Rory Fairburn. Fairburn, I butchered that from One Year Obia. Rory, welcome to the podcast. Good to be on. Thanks very much, Clint. Uh, evening here on the Sunshine Coast for us in Australia. Summer, the aircon still beaming here. I'm sure you're a bit colder over there uh, over winter. It is. Yes, <laughs> it's much colder over here. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. It's not, it's not as cold. It's not as cold as um, so. I'm actually up in Scotland. I'm I'm traveling in London today, but um, normally based up in Scotland. And um, uh, you know, we've got this. We've got all these ski resorts and ski resorts in inverted commas in Scotland, and they're not open. 
Um, oh. And it's going to February and none of the lifts are open yet. Um, so it's a bit of a shocker up here. Um, don't know if you can run a business by not actually being open all year uh, round. Strangely, um, I got a, a text from a mate of mine who's in Japan now, hmm. and he said also no snow there. Um, he's hoping it arrives tomorrow, but not ideal. Global warming, baby. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about global warming. We're here, we're here to talk about booze and not drinking booze. I am, for those watching, have a pre-approved drink with me. Um, exactly. so the reason I asked, you know, Ururi and the one year no beer guys to come on the podcast is, and a shout out to a friend of mine, Owen Pettiford, who did introduce us, is when you go through divorce and trauma, um, through the programs that I put together and the way I speak, it's a very sort of holistic way of looking at it and health and wellness, nutrition and mindset and all that stuff comes a huge part of what I believe helps you to recover. Um, drinking the booze and being on the bottle is the worst thing you can possibly do. Now, I know in the early days, in the dark days, and, and, and you know, as, as I've always said through this initiative, is all the learnings I've gone through the wrong ways to try and help everybody. You know, the booze was a wonderful band-aid. If, if you went through infidelity, you got through the flashbacks, so you just drunk yourself to sleep. But you never really get yourself in the clear crystal mindset to, to sort out your shit, sort out your baggage, and sort out why you ended up in that position to move forward with your life. So, hence me, and I hope, you know, sort of inviting Rory and the team onto the podcast to talk about his journey and the program they put together, which I think is an amazing initiative. So, Rory, as I uh, alluded to, we always get people on the podcast to do a brief life story, you know, where you grew up, what you're interested in at school, and how you ended up where you ended up. Sounds like you're a professional at this, so I'll hand over to you. <laughs> um, I've said it a few times. Um, all right, so um, I'll, I'll give you a bit of the backstory. So I'm originally from the Isle of Mull, west coast of Scotland, um, pretty synonymous with drinking over there, drinking culture. Um, born on the island, uh, six years old, um, ADHD, really struggled with my brain. I mean, super hyperactive, super crazy, slept four hours in every 24. Um, and at six years old, my parents were offered an ultimatum drugs or counseling. Um, and I'm very fortunate that they chose counseling because I think it made me the wiser individual I am today, wiser and calmer individual. Um, then at 14 years old, I wrote a letter to Richard Branson and I said, I'm going to change the world one day and I'm looking forward to having lunch with you. Mr. B didn't reply. So lunch is definitely on him. Um, at 15, I set up my first business. And by the time I was 25, I'd tried five different enterprises, um, the biggest of which employed 10 people for three years in Edinburgh doing tech sales outsourcing. Um, rather demoralized and back on the Isle of Mull with my tail between my legs in the pub one night. And I was having a few pints. Um, so alcohol is a, is, is a theme here. And a friend of, me, a friend of mine said, you know, really interesting story, Rory. You should apply for The Apprentice. We'd never heard of it, never seen it. It wasn't really a TV watcher. Um, so after my fifth point, I went back up and filled out the application form um, and wind forward six months and multiple interviews and flying down to London and all this stuff. I got accepted to go on the show. And so I'm standing outside the show, bags packed, ready to go on. Yes, I was going to wear a kilt on The Apprentice. Um, maybe that's why they didn't put me on. But for four hours, I sat outside the show with the producers coming out and going back in and coming out and going back in. And eventually they said, look, we can't explain it right now. You're not going on the show this time. We'll fly you back to Scotland. 
Now, of course, I told everybody on the island that I was going on The Apprentice. So when I got to the airport, I was like, fuck that, I'm not going back to the Isle of Mull. You know, the whole island was there on the pier waving, waving me goodbye. That's my mum, my dad, the dog, and a couple of sheep. No. Um, and um, so I looked at the departure board and I saw, oh, look, Ibiza. For those who don't know, Ibiza is one of the most amazing party islands in the world. Um, I'll go there. So I hopped on the next flight to Ibiza and um, rather randomly, um, I bumped into an oil broker while I was out there. And he heard my story and got me a job as an oil broker in London. So I always said I never got hired by um, Alan Sugar, but I did get hired by David Houghton. (laughs) Um, So oil broking is where two worlds collided for me, uh, partying and being successful. The more I partied, the more successful I was brilliant job, lots of fun in the city of London. Um, And I'll be taking these customers out. And I started on crude oil, which is the biggest desk at the world's largest oil brokerage, and very quickly made a name for myself. Um, Rose to to, to heights there. And then I had the opportunity to go and set up um, the jet aviation desk. Interestingly, I'd um, uh, in between that, I'd sort of taken six months out. So I just want to put into perspective. What age age do you know when that happened? Uh, 28. Dangerous. Uh, good Earning good coin in London. Exactly. <laughs> um, Spencer cars. Yes. Um, so I just got, I got married um, to my wife, Jen, um, and she had a modeling career in London she, um, and got married to my, to my wife. And, you know, things were starting to wear a bit thin in work. I was still um, a very successful oil broker but things at home were straining a bit. Um, it's about the year and a half into marriage. And I think um, this is something we can talk about later, but um, you know, all of the glow disappears a year to a year and a half into marriage. And you realize that you've married the person who exacerbates all of the things that you dislike about yourself. And um, so you actually start, it just causes so much friction. And this is a really interesting place of self-growth and um, uh, self-improvement and all that kind of stuff. But decided to take six months out, traveled around the world. Of course, I was, um, you know, I I approached my boss and said, look, um, my wife is giving me an ultimatum. It's her other job um, and I need to focus on her. And he said, you know what? Take six months, full pay, go and sort your marriage out, come back when you're done. So I was traveling around the world on a full oil broker, London salary. <laughs> I went to Cape Town for three months, um, lived, lived up in Cape Town, did all the stuff, you know, the helicopter rides and the boat and all that kind of stuff. Traveled through South America together. Um, while we were on that trip, we discovered that we bonded closely through adventure. The adventure and exercise brought us closer together. And that's something that was then a thread throughout our life and continues today. When I came back, they gave me the opportunity to set up a new desk. I set up the jet aviation desk, which is a a desk that they tried with teams of guys before and failed. And I made the market leader in under three years. So I was very good at my job. And again, it required a lot of entertaining to get there. I was never the guy going home and carrying on drinking. I wasn't, I never felt I had a problem with alcohol. It was just part of my job. And I was sociable and I was you know, having fun with friends at the weekend. So anyway, um, I started meditating in 2013 when Headspace first came out. Yeah. And it, 10 minutes on the train on the way home and 10 minutes uh, on the way to work. And I started to think, you know what? I think alcohol is causing me more trouble than I realize. Now, the thing about alcohol is it doesn't matter 
what happens. It doesn't matter how many blackouts you have or how many times you throw up or how many times you hate the taste of it when you were younger or how many times it causes you trouble. It doesn't matter. It's brilliant, right? You're still, you believe it's the best thing since sliced bread. We're all completely programmed to believe it's the source of success, of fun, of happiness. Um, and so I was like, hmm, I think this is causing some trouble. So I approached my boss and I said, look, I'm thinking about taking a break from booze. And he said, pardon me, you are committing commercial suicide if you stop drinking. Wow. So I went away and I thought, on top of that, I had, you know, everyone says you're a boring bastard if you don't drink alcohol. It's miserable. You may as well lock yourself away from society. There's no fun anymore. I'm also going to be committing commercial suicide. Fuck, right. Okay, well, I'm not going to do that. Took me six months, still meditating. And I was like, nah, I'm going to give this a shot. Mm. So in a way, I had to say goodbye to being one of the top brokers. In a way, I had to say goodbye to being a great friend. I was worried that my relationship wouldn't last because we bonded over partying and having so much fun. I mean, we met in London. It was crazy times together. So there were all these things I had to say goodbye to in making that decision. And yet, 90 days off the booze, it was transformational, right? I lost a ton of weight. I felt, I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, a fitter, faster, healthier, happier, better dad, better husband. Um, I started having like psoriasis disappear. I had a decade of IBS disappear. I stopped seeing a counselor. It was wide reaching, right? All of these health, mental health impacts. Couldn't believe it. So, um, I got together with Andy and um, he can I, worked. Can I just stop you there, just in terms of just a, just a question and something which resonated for me personally in I don't know, just, you know, doing my research and one of your other interviews where you said your, your identity was the party guy, right? Your identity was the guy who stayed to the end. I mean, there's a video of you on YouTube, someone doing a shot with a, um, a, a helmet or something, you know, I mean, that guy. Germany. For me, it was looking in the mirror. It was like, oh, shit, I'm that guy as well. <laughs> For my friends last Wait, night, I, I just have to, I have to explain that one. So you go into a bar in Chamonix, and yeah. they put an old war helmet on your head, and they give you a shot, and then they smack you over the head with growing larger things. And it starts off with a rolling pin, yeah. and it finishes off with a calor gas can where he goes, bang, like this. And it's almost knockout, right? It's like that close to knockout. And of course, the brain rush you get from doing the shots. Um, here's, one of the, here's one of the secrets that nobody knows about that um, video. I'm drinking tonic water. Oh, are you? Oh, wow. Yes. Because, so, because one of the really important things for me was, I am not going to fill that space of, I am boring when I don't drink. And I'm going to lead that still overexcited, crazy um, party starter guy even though I'm on tonic water. And I think that's really important. You, you, the key thing you said to me was that you, before you even gave up the booze, you, you had that huge internal wrestle with, I'm losing all the stuff. I'm losing the friendships. I'm losing the bonds. I'm losing the career. After those 90 days, was that actually the case or was that just your internal demons that you were wrestling with? It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. But don't get me wrong. I don't go out anywhere near as much as I used to go out. I exercise way more. But that's because that's what I want to do, <laughs> right? I mean, so much of going out is actually, some of it is fun, some of it is fucking miserable, right? Self-doubt, self-annihilation. I'm too this, I'm too that. Yeah. I could never go up and talk to her. 
what I mean, just all of this stuff that goes on with night out, or I've drunk too much and now I'm having an argument, or you know, getting myself into a mess. So I actually don't want to do a lot of that anymore. Sure, I've got kids, I've got family. I like, I love the, I love exercise. I love feeling the exercise gives me. I like doing big challenges. Um, so yeah, that's that's the transformation. Brilliant. So just to pick up, you 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 met Andy. So met with Andy. Andy just done six months alcohol free. Um, we used to work at the same broking firm together. Andy and I would be at the curry house at midday, right? And Andy would be diverting everybody's attention by doing magic tricks and, you know, pretending to levitate and all that craziness. And I'd be topping up people's pint glasses with either champagne or something you know, <laughs> like this. And um, so we were, we were thick as thieves. Um, and then um, he'd done six months alcohol free. He was half the man he was. He lost like three stone. Um, gone and set up his own broking shop, put all his set success. And we were like, everything we thought about going alcohol-free was wrong. Everything we thought about taking a break and changing a relationship with booze was completely wrong. It's only positives and advantages and benefits. So how do we get people to realize this? We went running around and we were like, come and check it out, come and check it out, come and check it out. And everyone was like, I don't care what you're saying. I'm not listening to you, you know. I've got all of this subconscious programming. So then we said, well, how do we get people to realize it themselves? Because nobody's going to believe it until they actually feel it. They don't realize the impact alcohol is having, even a small amount. I'm talking about three glasses of wine a week. If you're drinking more than three glasses of wine a week, you will feel a huge transformation in your mental health and your physical health. And it just a huge transformation by removing a poison. So anyway, got together created One Year No Beer as a 90-day challenge. Originally, we gave it all away for free, right? At the core of me was having this massive impact on the world, and I thought we could do it by giving it away for free because it was spread virally all over the world. Okay, that's not the way this capitalist world works. <laughs> the only thing free did was run up massive six-figure bills for me and Andy in paying for lots of people to try and get sober. So, and, and just, just yeah. a question on psychology because... You know, I'm giving my course free to people as well to try and help them, and they don't invest in it. As soon as people, you know, there's a guy called James Wedmore who I follow his business by design protocol online, and he said the transformation with the transaction. When someone yeah. puts their dollars down or they quit down, you know, they're not like, I've got to do this. They don't even need your content. <laughs> they just exactly. need to fucking put money down. Yeah. So, um, anyway, the, um, the, 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 uh, next, but we tried testing, charging for it with Sterling University. People watched more videos, had better outcomes. So that gave us a platform to relaunch it. We relaunched in 2017, a 28, 19, 365-day challenge. Um, but middle of the year, I'm you know, a senior oil broker, one of the world's largest oil brokerage, team of guys around me. I'm sitting on my phone trying to do a $20 million between BP and Shell, uh, a deal between BP and Shell. And at the same time, I've got my laptop open and I'm answering people's customer support issues about their alcohol uh, problems. And, and, and the thing is, my company supported me for 18 months while I did that. I spent 70% of my time on this project. Yeah. And they were like, they kept saying, look, what you're doing is amazing keep going. So incredible thank you to, to um, you know, the, the, the company. About middle of the year, I sent a tweet to a journalist. Off the back of it, I got a 10-minute feature on BBC World News in over 200 countries. And a friend of mine called me up in Italy and he said, Rory, I've just seen you on the news. I think what you're doing is amazing. I'm meeting the Dalai Lama next week. Would you like to meet him? And this was the defining moment of my life because, of course, I checked my diary and I was too busy. No, 
Um, so I flew out to Pisa. I got a chance to ask him a question in front of you know 5,000 people in the center of Pisa. I then ended up randomly, very bizarrely, staying at his hotel, seeing him at breakfast in the morning, having a conversation. And that is when all of my life made sense. Yeah. I'm not a Buddhist. But I'm not religious, right? I'm agnostic. But the reality is, if I was going to lean towards one thing, it would be mostly the Buddhist way. And this meditation had really uncovered so much for me, including the whole creation of One Year No Beer and My New Path. So when I met him and the conversations we had, I now knew. I knew that everything had made sense. This craziness at six years old, the ADHD, the letter to Richard Branson, the failed startups, the, the apprentice, the drinking, everything had led me to this point. And I knew why I was put on this planet. And that's when I left and I got both feet into um, One Year No Beer. So, was there anything, uh, any key takeaway that he said or any gem during like that you just really, really sat with you? Well, the biggest one, I mean, first of all, if you look at the video, when I get to ask him uh, yeah. the question, um, he, he ultimately empowers me. Um, so I say... Um, we use um, what, sorry, um, we help thousands of people all over the world change their relationship with addictions using what Buddhist and Tibetan people have probably known for centuries. Um, what would you say to somebody who's trying to change their relationship with an addiction? And he said, I don't know about people now. I look to people like you who are doing amazing things. Thank you, you know, um, doing amazing things. His thing is about getting children to express emotion. His big thing is about getting children to understand and express their emotion. And so he was like, that's where, what, where I would focus. Anyway, but the big thing he said was, once I'd kind of explained a bit of what we were trying to do here and the impact we were going to have on the world, he said, how do we bring this to the poorest parts of the world? And that is what drives me. So the vehicle I've created right now doesn't do that right now. It doesn't do that, yeah. but it will. And that is what my greater vision is for, for everything we're trying to do here. Um, it's about reconnecting society. Um, we just use alcohol as an excuse to get people to focus on their personal development. It doesn't matter whether it's alcohol, caffeine, drugs, porn, whatever the negative behavior is that is taking control of your life. When we introduce you to a platform and peer support who are living how you want to live, and we back that up with localized events that you can go and be around people on a local level, you will transform. Well, it's and a whole, is- whole concept of community, and that, you know, I'm after the exact same thing. I mean, if you, I, I, I always say humans want to belong to something bigger than them, and I, and I, yeah. I'm always fascinated by sporting events because you've got people wearing the same jersey who have absolutely no connection at all in this world, but if something good or bad happens, we'll hug each other or we'll have a conversation because there's that need for the larger self in the community. And I can't remember. There's a study recently on weight loss and. That's been a few times, a few studies that I've read about that. Whereas people's success rate hasn't got to do whether they're like low fat, high fat, keto, paleo, vegan, whatever it is. It's got to do with the community and the support around that because yeah. they have that support and they have the sense of being and belonging. That's where success comes. 100%. Absolutely, totally agree. It's so powerful in the community, a peer support network. Okay, um, so, sorry, so you came back 2017, you came back from Pete and the Dalai Lama. So, so I came in on Monday, handed in my notice as an oil broker. My boss was like, what? Are you kidding me? Are you mad? You know, you're, a made, you're a made man. You know, yeah. You're going to hand this over to your juniors, lucky boys. Yes, I walked away. Um, got in fully strapped into this. I guess the couple of bits to finish up on the business side of things are, 
Um, in 2018, I sent out an email to our members saying, hey, we're going to go crowdfunding. We're looking for a six-figure investor. If you could introduce us, introduce us to anyone out there, that would be great. And uh, I came in the next day to 74 emails and we raised 1.1 million in five weeks. And um, same now we've raised... Sorry? Pounds. Yeah, yeah. And same just now, we sent out a couple of emails and we've raised basically 2 million quid in a, in a, in a, you know, a couple of months. Um, and, and these people are, you know, a 10-year director at Facebook, a senior guy at Google, um, the ex-global head of M&A at HSBC. These are, you know, fund managers, entrepreneurs, um, serious people who've changed their relationship with alcohol and it's totally transformed their life. So we have a really, really, really big um, impact on people in their life through something simple as alcohol. And this is why I'm so passionate about this, is that we're completely blindsided by alcohol in society. We think it's a source of fun, success, happiness. We've been brainwashed since you were knee-high to a grasshopper, that, 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 you know, watching aunties, uncles, you know, that whole social fabric. It's part of our identity. It's what we do. So we ignore the impact it's having. And also, the thing about it is, is, if you Google what is alcohol, Google what is alcohol, it comes up a colorless, flammable, soluble, a, a colorless, flammable, volatile liquid, also used as a fuel source, ethanol. Now, ethanol, is there anybody running around out there absolutely gagging to go to a hardware store and neck a bottle of ethanol? No, there's not. Does ethanol taste nice? No, it doesn't. The only reason alcohol tastes nice is because we mask it with flavors and everything else to try and make it palatable. There is nothing, there has never, ever, ever in the history of humankind been a study that shows that putting ethanol into the human body is good for you. It's 100% poison. So if we talk about what it is as ethanol, right, not alcohol, but the, the, one of the big things is that, that, that people don't resonate with this whole health thing, right? Oh, God, I'm just hearing it again. You know, I'm getting cancer from my shoes probably, and this is killing me, and that is killing me, and I just can't take it anymore. But the reality is that's what it is. It yeah. is ethanol. And the other reality is, or the other truth is, that the only reason you would take ethanol, the only reason you would take this drug is because you're numbing. You are numbing out your feelings. You're numbing out the pain in your life. You're numbing out the suffering. You're trying to ignore that your body and your mind, your wisdom is telling you that you are not happy. And that is the reason why you are drinking alcohol. No other reason at all. <laughs> I want to be more fun. I'm social. I'm, I, I'm anxious. I'm, I need it so I have Dutch courage. Well, that's not true. You didn't need it when you were 12 and in the playground, but you've been conditioned to believe you need it. Do you know what's even worse? Is that alcohol is a depressant. It causes anxiety. So just like any drug, a drug begets itself. Once you start taking it, you need to take it again just to feel normal. And now you're on the cycle. So and that's the health. Bloody Mary's were invented, right? Yeah, in the yeah. morning, I'm going to start again. But that's the thing. That's the health stuff. Yeah. So let's just put that into a corner of your brain. Just listen to that for a tiny bit. But then listen to this. I'm telling you that I know if you're drinking more than three glasses of wine a week, that if you take a 90-day challenge, the reason why 90-day is the vast majority go through their transformation between 40 and 60, and 28 is just not enough to go through that transformation. If you take a 90-day challenge, you're going to 
feel better, feel happier, feel clearer in your brain, um, start to be more productive, start to really see that wisdom and feel the wisdom in your life instead of numbing out, you're going to see massive transformation in your life or start to begin massive transformation because alcohol is the gateway to your health. So where, so, where, where have you found based on all your, what people have gone through is like the tipping point? Is it like the 50 day, 60 day? Or yeah, between 40 and 60 days is where most people go through. But some people go through it in eight days. They're yeah. like, boom, I'm done. This is, this is unbelievable. Um, bear in mind as well is that we are not really about not drinking. Yeah. Right. We're, we're, we're using not drinking as a way to get people to level up their skills, their skills on dealing with anxiety, dealing with stress, dealing with the difficult emotions that they deal with, um, having fun, relaxing without alcohol. When you introduce healthy habits, because when I've got social anxiety or when I, when I, when I want to go out and have fun, what is it I really want? I'm searching for dopamine. How can I get dopamine in a natural way? Go out and do an exercise class, go and do a CrossFit class loads of dopamine and community. Yeah. Okay, so what about at the end of the day, I need to relax. Yoga, exercise, meditation, doing those things instead of using a drug to shortcut it. So when you start implementing those tools, that has a huge transformation on your life. But I think it's like, you know, when, when, you, when, you, when people generally go through a health kick or, you know, it's, it's that, that just that learned behavior. I'm busy reading a book at the moment. It's called Atomic Habits. I don't know who the... Yeah, great book. I can't remember. It's really, really, I'm listening to the audible of it. But I think something that really resonated with me was the habit associates with identity of who you believe you are. So as if you have the identity that you're the drinker and on a Sunday you go to the pub with your mates, you're just doing that because that's who you believe you are. Meanwhile, you don't actually want to be there. That's just, it's, it's just your habit. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And, and the habits, um, I'm, I'm currently reading this book, uh, BJ Fogg, uh, yeah. tiny habits, um, BJ Fogg from Stanford university, leading behavior design scientist in the world, um, had five founders of billion dollar apps, including Instagram come through his program. Um, so it, it's absolutely phenomenal about designing habits up for success, making them tiny, trying to increase motivation or, or ability. Um, just phenomenal. I highly recommend reading it. But um, yeah, so um, that is now, we're now over seven, well, we're coming close to 80,000 members in 90 countries. Um, most of these people are all professionals, um, high performing achievers, but there's all walks of life. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a lot of type of people who come through our program. Um, and um, yeah, that's what we are, we're up to. So while, while we're on, let's just wrap up, you know, I guess, on, on the company and the business. And then we go yeah. through, I think uh, there's really got 13 things, people, the myths about alcohol. I just want to run through those. Um, yes. Which is a really cool video you guys put up. But what are the ultimate plans you've mentioned? You just got some more funding. Uh, yes. What are the plans for the company? What are the aspirations to go corporate? Obviously do, as you mentioned, some charity work with a lower socioeconomic. What, what is the, the Richard Branson view of what you want to achieve? Yeah, absolutely. So um, imagine first step, we're really sort of building a Weight Watchers for alcohol. Um, yeah. And um, so different geographies is something we're working on. We're moving into the US in a, in a big way at the moment. We do have people in 90 countries now, but it's about putting troops on the ground. Yeah. Um, we want people to have localized events all over the world, but the model is not just for alcohol. It's relevant into those other verticals. It's about reconnecting society. So as I say, we build technology that facilitates connection through behavior change. And that is the bigger vision. 
Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So something on your website, um, or sorry, I need to read this if you don't mind. You put up a brilliant video about the 13 things people say when you give up alcohol. Right. Um, and the first one is doubt. Um, yeah. So you want to talk about that one? Let's just run through them more quickly. Um, well, yeah, remind me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doubt. a marketing, I'm a sales guy. <laughs> so, yeah, so you're, they were doubt, pressure, disbelief, Accusations, accusations, sorry, blame, social outcast, arm twisting, begging, bullying, comprehension, acceptance, realization, self-realization. Yeah, so I mean doubt is is so it's things people say to you, right? So I mean, that, tell you when you say that, that video was done ages ago, so I'm gonna have to bring myself up to speed. No um, worries. Yeah. So the, what? Really? What's wrong with you? Why why are you not drinking? That is basically what people say. Um, this is why we designed One Year No Beer. So when we did our research into peer pressure with Stirling University, it showed that 95% of people had had a drink when they didn't want to. 84% of people had experienced bullying from friends to drink alcohol. We've all been there. I've been the guy. Go on. What's wrong with you? Just have one. Okay. So that peer pressure, One Year No Beer is designed to break through that peer pressure. About how we arm ourselves in the moment, how we can say to somebody, what are the words, being prepared, drinking alcohol free alternatives like an alcohol free beer topped up in a pint glass, because psychologically they are seeing you drink a beer. So it automatically reduces. So there's lots of little tips and tricks like that. Plus, Getting your phrase right. I'm doing. I'm doing a 90 day challenge, and I'm training for X. Or yeah. I'm doing 90 day challenge because I'm starting my business and I need the clarity. The words you deliver smash through that moment. Yeah, that's key. That's great advice as well. If you if you if you associate it with a personal target, then people can't if they if they're shitty friends, then you'll know straight away, right? Like, no, no, you must drink so you don't achieve your goals. Like, well, the 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 the, the two things that the, you know the, the next one's disbelief. And then the accusations. I mean, that's how many times have you heard you can't trust someone who doesn't drink? Um, I've got a lot of good friends who say that all the time, actually. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah. that's a common thing. Don't invite him. He doesn't drink. Um, yeah. He'll be boring. He's boring. He's not drinking. But interestingly, that is the same psychological thing, what we're dealing with here. This whole, we're in a club. We're taking a drug. Go on. Go on. Have, you know, that, it, it, it's all of that tribalism effect. A lot of one year no beer is subconscious, and you talked about about that community piece. Yeah. If I'm standing at that bar and I'm getting triggered, and there's five people there, and I feel belonging to them because they're my friends, and they're now questioning my sense of belonging, if I don't have a tribe to belong to, I will likely fail and come back into the tribe. Because as human beings, we need belonging. We need to feel like a tribe, which is why when you go and join a club and exercise or do something like that, you're more likely to stick in it. Just like when you come and join a challenge at One Year No Beer, you're joining 70,000 people all over the world. You post in the Facebook group and within minutes, you've got 100 comments from people all over the world supporting you. Even in that moment, right? You walk away from the bar. These guys are really giving me pressure. What are your tips for me? Bam. Support, yeah. support, 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 support. That really triggers our subconscious. That's, I mean, that's amazing, right? Because as, as humans, we want that validation as well. So if you, if yeah. you, if you have that structure, but also that validation, just something else I wanted to, in terms of the, 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 the name calling and blaming, do, do you also think it's a lot of people looking at themselves in a mirror in a strange way, saying, yes. well, I should probably give up the like and he's, he or she's been brave enough to attempt this, 
but the way I'm going to get over that is just go hype them. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, socially outcasting, we covered the, the arm twisting, begging and bullying. Um, <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, comprehension, acceptance. To me, the realization is, is beautiful when you know that that's, you don't associate that person with that identity anymore. But the yes. self-realization is a key, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, when you go through the process and you've been a while and people say, oh, are you drinking tonight or are you not drinking? Because they're used to you. And, yeah. Or they say, um, oh, no, he's not drinking tonight. Or all of that stuff is, starts giving you permission. It makes it much, much easier. In the early days, it's a bit harder. And this is why we say things like, you know, if you're going out with a group of friends, get the ringleader on side, call him up before, hey, bro, listen, I'm, I'm doing a 90-day challenge. I'm doing this challenge, right? If you guys are going to give me pressure, I'm not coming. I really need your support. Please, will you help me just get through this? I want to do this 90 days so I can say I've absolutely nailed it. No, I don't have a problem. Fine. I'm just going to do this thing because I'm really focused on doing this piece. Yeah, man, I'll support you. You've now erratic. You've now got two people to helping you um, reduce that pressure in that moment. So one thing I want to add is that this is not about not drinking. As I said before, you know, if you do 28 days and then choose to drink again, brilliant. Well done. You did 28 days. If you do 90 and choose to choose to drink again. So I did two years alcohol free. Now I drink as much as I want whenever I want. I just usually choose not to have a drink. I'm not triggered anywhere near as much as I used to be. If I go out for beers with the guys where I feel like I need to, you know, I can have a glass of wine and then stop halfway through because I really know it's impact. Yeah, that's what we want to give people. That's what this program gives people is really that control to pick and choose. No, it's, it's amazing as soon as you, I mean, I went through a couple of bumps the road in my marriage the first time became the guy at the bar crying, which is not a good look, right? I asked him is I, I, I grew up in the, uh, in the, you know, in the rugby club sports club environment. And there was always one or two guys at the corner of every bar who something had happened to them in life and they were miserable and they sat there every night and I, suddenly became that person. So I came off the booze for, for a couple of years, I think. And what is quite interesting is when you come off that, or if you go on a juice cleanse or you do something really healthy, you become super conscious of what actually goes in your body because you really, really, really feel the effect of it. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm assuming that's you know, if people get through the 90, you know, the, the 365, when you have that shot, you're like, ooh, geez, this is not actually great. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you, you get used to being a hangover. And you just don't want to drink as much or at all anymore. It's great fun going out and not being the, 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 the one who needs help coming home. <laughs> <laughs> Same with Uber Bowls, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of the and, – and I guess, yeah, just an, another more personal thing, but, but what, I, what, I, what I promote in, in my course is questioning your support structure and questioning those around you. And a, a, a lot of friendships and association could be just because of habit again, right? But if, you, yeah. if you've got people around you and friendships around you, people who aren't supporting you and don't support your new lifestyle, is that a common sort of occurrence with your clients that they literally find, an, I wouldn't say a new group of friends because that's a bit harsh, but saying, well, these people associated with this, our conversations weren't actually stimulating. They were just people to drink with and, and yeah, I've almost moved on in a way. You definitely, definitely find that. You will lose some friends because they weren't really friends. Um, and yeah. lots of people, you know, there's fake friends. Yeah. Um, you know, when the, when the, when the, when the, when the chips are down, were they, were they really going to be there to support you? No. Um, they're your fake friends. And you, and that is definitely a process you go through. And I think as you're changing a relationship with alcohol, some of that can be lonely. Some of it can be up and down. You could like, well, who am I now? You are, are re-identifying. I mean, I was an oil broker 
who identified as the as 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 you know somebody who really knew his whiskeys. Almost every lunch or dinner, I would be going, "Do you want a whiskey?" And I'd talk to the customer about it and tell them where it came from. And you know, I studied that shit because I knew it was part of my brand and it made me stand out from other brokers. And that's so important. So it was so intrinsic into my identity. And that is a process of you know changing that part of your identity and realizing. God, that's just so foolish. It's all bollocks. It really is. Um, you know, sometimes I can sit there and watch some of the um, some of the cocktail makers or whatever, and just think, "What a load of shit." <laughs> so, uh, um, but you know, equally, it's it's fun. And 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 uh, on the flip side, but I think it's just getting that awareness and then putting yourself in the driving seat. And I think it's very difficult to get awareness while you are still drinking, which is why we do this abstinence program. The fastest way to control is to take a, a break from booze um, yeah. because that gives you the clarity. So in, in, in just talking specifically to our audience here, you know, typically the divorce guy in, in the trenches, as I call it, um, you know, I guess anyone with sort of any form of trauma, I'm sure you have a lot of people who've come through that who end up in your course. Well, any advice to those kind of guys? I mean, obviously giving it up, but just, just some, some maybe some transformational stories that you can share or some of your clients that have really managed to turn things around when they're at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things in there. I think, first of all, a 90-day break from booze should be the first intervention in any couple issues. Don't go to couples counseling. Stop drinking booze for 90 days together um, because you will awaken and you'll be able to communicate with each other rather than being fractured and frustrated and angry and all those other things which happen during poor communication. Then I think with when it comes to dealing with traumatic experiences, you know, you are numbing. And, and we spoke about this earlier, you know, dealing with trauma, you really need to start, um, uh, do that with somebody and to do that effectively. Meditation was something for me which led me back to my traumatic experiences. Um, and um, I uncovered some amazing things I sort of blocked away um, into my, right into the, the back of the darkness there. But what an amazing thing. You know, I want to be the best dad I can be for my children. And I now realize that between two and seven, the, my children form their ego and, and the, their ego will then and dictate how they react to everything in life later. Um, they create an idea. We, we create, we create an ego so that we can survive life. Okay. Ego is a perception of ourselves that we use to survive life. Um, and, and we formed it during two to seven by whatever we went through back, back then. And so interestingly, starting to uncover that, some of that stuff goes, Oh my God, it's such a huge realization. And then there's come that horrible feeling of, holy shit, I fucked my kids up. Um, <laughs> I know I, you know, I know I've got too angry and yeah. and and thrown my my daughter in anger, you know, across onto her bed. Was that traumatic for her? And what did she make up about herself? What were the what were the what were the decisions that she made in her head at that moment? Because she doesn't have a conscious to yeah. be able to decide whether it's fat. She, her subconscious is taking 100% of everything in and mapping it into her brain. Does that now make her scared? Does she now have a, an opinion that men can be, he can be dangerous or angry? Or you know, what are those things that she's made? Well, the thing is, going through this process of myself, which started with removing alcohol and starting to understand my traumatic experiences and meditating and everything else, yeah. is going to help me help her through those exact things. Um, the answer, the real answer is that my daughters 
have way more love. Not that I'm comparing myself to anybody else, but they have a lot of love and they have somebody who cares. I love being a dad. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I study being a dad. I read books on being a dad and being a better dad. Another good podcast is Daddy Saturday. So I was, I was on that podcast recently. Brilliant. So, um, uh, Daddy Saturday. So, yeah, um, I think um, park alcohol at the door, stop numbing, go and do the work. Um, and the sooner you do the work, uh, the sooner you're going to start transforming your life. Well, the work's key, right? Otherwise, you just end up on the infinite loop and the treadmill. I mean, I, I know from the divorce guy's perspective, I've spoken to guys who sit in a victim role for 20 years. Um, yeah. And who's got two decades to lose, right? It's just, it's, it's because they don't want to sit with themselves and they don't want to, as you said, do the work and understand that, as you said, most of us do have either mommy or daddy or both issues, right? Sitting, sitting deep, deep within us. Mm-hmm. Just on the, on the meditation stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge believer in it. I actually do um, something called Holosync. It's a shitty website, um, but it's an amazing, amazing meditation that a friend put me onto. It's, a, I think, an American company. Um, but what do you do from a meditation? Are you still with Headspace, or what's your daily sort of meditation routine like? I started using Waking Up by Sam Harris, uh, yep. which I really enjoyed. I got to about 40 in the course. And now he's constantly getting me to meditate with my eyes open and I struggle with that. So I'm a bit frustrated with the app right now, but it's a bit like wading through a quagmire. And when, when meditating is so important to me, which it is, it's like, this is my medicine. I, I am sick. This is my medicine. If I do not take my medicine, I will self-implode my life. Yeah. Right? That's, that is what it is. And exercise is in the same thing as, as is yoga. Those are the things which keep me from um, going Rambo on my life. So, so for the meditation perspective, waking up, Sam Harris, calm app, I love. Um, and but then I, I, I'm, you know, when I got into deep meditation, I was doing 45 minutes unguided on my own, um, and that's when I started to uncover uh, traumatic experiences. So I started to feel pain in my chest, yeah. and I and focused on the pain in the chest. Then I had weeping, and then when I was weeping, I had. I would call it reflections, feelings, taste, smell. I had the sensations come to me, and those sensations were mull, where I grew up, yeah. the sea. And so I was like, I know what this is. I don't get to the sea. And I was born on the sea. I was born on boats. Um, and so now I know that I have to get onto the sea. So that's another thing into my medicine slot that I now have. So I moved from from London up to Scotland, got a boat, just need to be on that sea. Um, I I love love the side because I'm exact. The ocean's my, that's my church right every day. I'm in the sea in in whatever way I can be. Well, yeah, so, but so many people don't realize the addictive behaviors. And by the way, you might say I don't drink that much, but you might be going to see a prostitute, or you might be might be um, you know uh, obsessing over porn, or maybe it's work that you're staying up and you can never ever switch off. But we've got these addictions, right? Or fifteen coffees a day, or these. We are all addicted. We're we've all got these things we're addicted to, but the question is is why. And it's because we are not listening to our soul. We're not listening to our body and our mind. And, we're, and, and it's causing this 
sort of toxicness to come out in our life. And that process of going of starting to eliminate one, remove one. So if it's alcohol, great, come in. When you come into one year, no beer, we'll show you to start implementing these daily habits and techniques, which are going to explore more and more and more. What are the things? What is going on for me? Is it my environment? Um, and if it is my environment that's killing me, going on the tube to work into a windowless office, which is what I was doing every day, but yet I don't feel I can just go and walk in and hand in my notice. It's all very well for this guy on this podcast to say he just walked in and handed his notice off and meeting the Dalai Lama, well done him, right? <laughs> what is the minor steps that I can do today? Yeah. Is it making sure that every lunch I go to the park and sit and listen to the, to, to, so I'm in the green and take my shoes and socks off so I sit in the grass, you know, Japanese, whatever that's called, forest bathing stuff. Um, do I no longer take the tube and I, and I get a Brompton, which is what I did, and I cycle down to the, to the train and I get on the train and then I cycle to work? What are the things that I can implement in a small way? If I can't get to the sea, can I go once a month? Can I go each weekend? But when we're numbing, you can't even see any of this stuff. But it's that whole, the whole 1% concept, right? If you do those tiny, tiny micro things, which are, you know, even if you do push-ups before you brush your teeth, if you do 10 push-ups, you know, twice a day, it's 20, you know, you blow it up, you suddenly don't, you know, you've got 7,200 push-ups under your belt. And you're like, well, that, that didn't take a lot of time, but it's that micro stuff of just layering, layering, layering up. Um, Marginal gains. Yeah, exactly. Now, have you, have you got into, on the topic of meditation and yoga, I'm also completely into that as well, but have you got into the breathing stuff at all? Uh, like yeah. Off or any of those guys? Yes, I haven't really done much Wim Hof, but no, no I mean, I actually into a new office here. Is there's me and Vim? Brilliant. Yeah, you did his you did his course. Yeah, I did his uh, I did his course down on the Gold Coast. Um, did the ice baths and the breathing, and it was it was when you talk about you know he gets you into that state where you 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 unlock the subconscious, and I just. The girl I was with was like in this hysteria of joy, and I was crawled over in a ball crying <laughs> because of all this shit that had happened. But it's, really? but he says, you know, some people were screaming, some people were crying. He said that's just, he, you know, he through his breathing, you can unlock that sort of that subconscious stuff that's way way buried. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I've got to get out on this course. I want to hike up a mountain in my pants. Well, I mean, he. Oh man, when I first got into him, which was before he went mainstream, I think he went with Joe Rogan, and then he exploded. So. I've been doing this stuff for like six or seven years and it was, oh man, it was like 1,500 euro to do the hack in those days. Um, so it was next to nothing, but now now he's just too mainstream. I think it will it'll cost, you, cost you a fortune to do it if you'll get access to him. Yeah. So okay. I'm just conscious of time because I know you've got to yeah. wrap up the top of the hour. So just some stats of your website, 79% improved sleep and sleep is key. Ask anyone who's had children, right? Just keep yep. something. <laughs> exactly. Pretty quickly. 92% happier. I'd like that stat. 71% more productive. 81% reduced anxiety and 53% weight loss. Pretty comprehensive, right? Yes. Do it. Do it. the thing. Forget about what, how much you drink. Forget about, uh, this is just a challenge. Come and do it. Come and do 90 days. We'll do a we'll do a code for 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 the bro code if you like. So if we do bro code fifty, yeah, we we'll do a fifty percent discount off the challenges. Awesome. Um, bro code fifty. We'll, we'll we'll put that out there. Come and do the challenge. Come and connect with the community. It is life changing. It will lead you on to so many other things, especially if you're dealing with something like divorce. We were talking about this before we were on air. 
I feel firmly, and 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 same thing with we're working with the MOD on on PTSD. The, a ninety day challenge should be the first intervention for for PTSD. Uh, ninety day challenge should be the first intervention if you're having any relationship issues. Yeah. You cannot talk to somebody who is also numbing. You can't, right? Because you're both numbing. You need to get real. And going through the life-changing process of the challenge can be transformational for relationships. Some, not all in a good way. Because people realize, damn it, I married that woman when I was drunk. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not all, not all marriages are repairable. And there are, there are, you know, there are definitely more fish in the sea. I'm, from my perspective, yeah. I am... Absolutely, a hundred percent intentional of spending the rest of my life with this woman. I'm, you know, completely invested in my own self-discovery and what I need to become in order to make that happen. I am a hundred percent supportive of her journey, um, and 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 of what it's really about. You know, Jen and I, when we met, we were we were smashing IKEA tables over each other's heads. We had a very tumultuous relationship. We have worked so hard on counselling and coaching, always through our marriage. Um, to get to where we are today. So I think the last piece on this is if you have been through a divorce, if you have been through a difficult piece, if you're going to go into your next, now is the time to start working on yourself because often enough, these relationships are, are, are flashing up the things that we need to work on ourselves. And, 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 you know, don't go and make the same mistakes going into a new partner. Find out what it is that you need to learn. Well, well maybe on that, because I just want to, you know, my two senses, we, we attract you know what what's lacking in us and if you've attracted yeah. a bad person or the wrong person for you in the past and i've done it myself you attract the exact same person second third fourth time around right and you just repeat the pattern until you go deep with inside yourself and and do the work and then you're like oh shit i should be with those people um anyway i'll get off my soapbox so where can everyone find you guys uh, check us out at one year no beer.com, Facebook, uh, one year no beer, Instagram, one year no beer. Yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me let me actually i'm just Social media, full mass, go. One year, no beer. Um, yeah. So one year no beer dot com, uh, yeah. Facebook, uh, one year no beer, and Instagram, one year no beer. Come and check us out. Brilliant, Rory. Thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you, you have a wonderful Friday. It's Friday evening yeah. here. Um, and have a magical weekend. And really, really, we'll support you guys in whatever you do and promote you in our course. And let's stay in touch. Brilliant. Yes. Thanks, mate. That's awesome. Cheers. Cheers.